All right, quick recap. We're in Proverbs. Uh, We're looking at life within. And week one, we talked about who wrote Proverbs and why did they write it. And then last week, uh, who was here last week? Who was also challenged by Danny's message last week about receiving correction? All right, that was a pretty tough one. Uh, but we're going to backtrack a little bit. We're going to rewind just a, just a smidge because there's one verse in um, the start of Proverbs that we kind of skimmed through and we said we'd come back to it. So this week we're going to come back to it. So in verse 1 of chapter 1 of Proverbs, we see that Solomon wrote Proverbs. And God gave Solomon wisdom because it's the one thing that he wanted in 1 Kings chapter 3. He says, you know what, I'm going to lead the Israelites, I'm going to lead this nation, and God, I need your wisdom because I'm just a kid who doesn't know anything. Kids, when you're talking to your parents and they know better, remember, just like Solomon, you're a kid, you don't know anything, All right? <laughs> Any amens in the house today? Any parents? There we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's like, I need wisdom, I need your wisdom. So it's from God, wisdom and knowledge from God to Solomon, and Solomon has written Proverbs for you and for me and for everybody to gain knowledge and wisdom, so those who have no wisdom will have a little bit, and those who have a little bit will have more, and those who think they have all of it will realize they don't have all of it. And then in verse 7, we see this verse. I'm not clicking... Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. That's an interesting one to put in there, because this is not the start of a new thought. This is still the thought of Solomon as he's saying, this is why I've written Proverbs. So those who don't have knowledge and wisdom can have some, those who have some can have more, and those who have more can realize they need more and more and more and more. But also, in this same thought, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. In Proverbs 9 and 10, uh, 9 verse 10, we see that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, it's the foundation of knowledge, and it's the beginning of wisdom. Before we get into into it, the foundation and the reading of Proverbs, if you want to actually get into Proverbs, and I hope you do, through this series, the first thing you're going to need, the foundation you're going to need to understand and to receive the Proverbs into your heart is a fear of the Lord. It's the first thing you need. It is the start. It is the beginning. And without a fear of the Lord, the wisdom within will seem folly, foolishness. And the tragedy is, is that without a fear of the Lord, you might miss the wisdom within, the life within that God wants you and I to have. So the question then comes, what is the fear of the Lord? Fear of the Lord is mentioned 21 times in Proverbs. I think that means that it can be now classed as something important. It is also mentioned a further 100 times throughout the rest of Scripture or derivatives of fear of God, fear Him. That's 121 times at least throughout Scripture, fear of the Lord is mentioned. I think that's enough for us to go, hmm, maybe I should understand what this is, because it seems quite important. 
So we go to the original language, the Hebrew, and we go, okay, what is it? <laughs> the word used is yirat. And you will be absolutely shocked to realize what this word is actually translated into. Do you want to know? Yeah. Fear. And anyone, me maybe particularly, but anyone in the room going, oh, surely it can't mean that kind of fear. It has to mean something else. I look at the original text. That's how I went into it. I'm like, I'm going to find something amazing and powerful and and different. It's going to be like, everyone's going to be like, well, mine's blown because it's not actually fear. No, it's fear. Fear. Can you imagine this picture of literal fear with God in heaven? Can it possibly mean fear? Literal fear. And when we think about fear, we all have things that we're afraid of, and that's what we draw this comparison to. So what are you afraid of, and should you feel about the same way with God? For those who are arachnophobic, the way that you, when you see a spider, when you're in your prayer time, do you feel that same way? For those who are claustrophobic and you're in your prayer time, is that how you feel? My fear is thassalophobia. Yeah, thassalophobia. It's a fear I actually have, and it's a fear of the deep ocean. Right, I can swim. I have no issue swimming. But if I can't see under me, I'm not getting in. Not happening. I've seen Jaws. I know how this story ends. <coughs> right? If I can't see the bottom, like, I mean, years ago I was in a CYC camp, and we we're out ski biscuiting, and, and I fell off. And that was my biggest fear. I was holding on. Man, I was holding on so tight. And I fell off and I was in the ocean and the boat has to circle around to come and grab me. That was the worst moment of my life. Because I'm thinking, any moment there is a shark ready to just go, and I'm gone. I was frozen in fear, or maybe it was the ocean temperatures, it was pretty cold. But I was frozen in fear. Is that the same feeling within that I should have with God? And if you say yes, and some people say there is an element of that to it, then you have to understand that that is a contradiction to the picture of God we see through the rest of Scripture. Let me share a couple of verses with you. 1 John 3, 1. See how very much the Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to the world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. This is a God that loves us so much, he adopted us into his family. Should I be deathly afraid of him? What about Joshua 1.9? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is a God who will never abandon us. Should I be terrified? Psalm 36.7. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. A God who protects us and gives us shelter. Should I be running away screaming? Romans 5.8, but God shows his great love to us in this by sending Christ to die for us whilst we were still sinners. A God who, whilst we were still sinners, still broken, still enemies of him, made a way for us. Should I be scared of him? I could keep going all day. 
For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Love, protection, acceptance, adoption. I told you I can go all day. I'm going to keep going. (laughs) Zephaniah 3.17, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Does this sound like someone we're meant to be running away from? Someone we're meant to be terrified and scared of? One more. Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We see this picture of this God who loves us and sacrifices himself and, and puts us over him And he wants us and he protects us and he draws us to him and he rescues us. This is the God we're talking about. So then how can we, with these other 121 verses, land on that this God is to be mightily feared to the point where we need to get away from him, we are terrified of him, we are scared of him. It doesn't seem to add up, does it? So why are we expected to fear this loving God? Because not every fear is the same. Not every fear is the same. The fear you have in a haunted house is different than the fear you will have standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Different fears. The fear you have watching a scary movie at 2 o'clock in the morning is different to the fear you walk into your kitchen and your stove's on fire. Both horrible, but different fears. The fear of someone chasing you at night is different to the fear of sitting in a carnival ride that is too big for you and you know it's going to freak you out. Different fears. So the question has to be asked again. What is fear of the Lord? What type of fear are we talking about? Through the week, I put an Instagram poll (laughs) uh, on my socials and it says... Can you let me know what you think fear of the Lord is in one word? And I know that's unfair. I've used way more than one already, (laughs) just to intro this. Um, And the top three answers, do you want to know what they were? (coughs) And by the way, when I say the top three answers, all but two responses were one of these three. So it's lots of people saying that this is what fear of the Lord is. Or was number one, two was reverence. Three was respect. Or reverence and respect. We should have reverence and respect for God. After all, in Hebrews 10.31, it says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And this is an awesome, mighty, majestic God that we serve. I know I shared this uh, in a previous sermon, but I'm going to share it again. This is a picture of an element, a piece of the puzzle of who God is according to the book of Job. And this is where Job is complaining to God and God then lays the smack down on Job and says, this is who I am, who are you? This is the kind of thing that God says he is. He is the light-speaking, earth-forming, sky-hanging, ocean-holding, land-bringing, fruit-bearing, sun and moon-placing, star-breathing, animal-producing, man-forming, life-breathing, 
Soil cultivating, land watering, spring bringing, river forming, gold fashioning, woman creating, foundation laying, dimension determining, cornerstone laying, boundary setting, cloud counting, shore limiting, uh, morning commanding, ocean exploring, lightning creating, galaxy moving, universe regulating, food providing, voice thundering, God of majesty. And that's a piece of God. There's so much more to who God is. So why wouldn't we have awe, reverence, and respect for this God? It's fair to say that we should. And sometimes when we come into God's presence, we come like we're we're visiting the Wizard of Oz before the curtain was pulled back. Now, young people are like, what is the Wizard of Oz? What do you mean by curtain being pulled back? Go watch the movie. Because we come to God and we're like, he is mighty and he controls everything. So I must stay reverent in his presence. I don't want to disappoint him. So he is the mighty God. How can I not come like that? And there is a reason why we come to God like that so often. Because it is entirely and extremely appropriate. We should come to God like that. Because this is who he is. It demands awe and reverence and respect. One of the moments, it's all the time, is when I go to the ocean. We used to live on Phillip Island, Christine and I and the kids. And anytime I'd go and stand in front of the ocean, I was immediately drawn into awe, reverence and respect. I mean, how can you not? You're standing in front of this body of water, this raging thing in front of you, of this, this, this force of nature that could kill you like that, And in Isaiah chapter 40, we see that God just holds it in his hands. This is nothing to him, but it would kill me so quickly. And anytime I'm in front of the ocean, I'm drawn into, God, you are so big and majestic and I am not. And it's entirely appropriate and it is beautiful. So, does reverence equal fear of the Lord? Not always. Not always. Reverence, awe, and respect are only helping partly explain the fear of the Lord. You see, reverence and respect don't always draw you to something, but sometimes push you away from something. You better believe that if I go into my office and my lightning, my, uh, my PowerPoint is sparking electricity, I have respect and reverence for what I'm seeing. But you better believe I'm not going to be like, oh, let me touch. <laughs> I am t- keeping my distance. I'm not going closer. In fact, I want to get away because this isn't healthy and helpful for me. If I'm at a bonfire and I see the beautiful flames and someone puts petrol on it, woof. I have respect and and reverence for these flames. But you better believe I'm not going and sitting in the flames. I don't want to get closer. I want to get further away. In 2019, I was in New York City with my brothers and we went to the top of the Empire State Building. And it is a beautiful sight. And I'm looking over the edge. And you better believe that I had awe for what I was seeing, but reverence and respect for where I was. I'm not climbing over. I'm not leaning too far over. In fact, my brother had way more awe and reverence and respect than me. He was like, he was glued on that that wall. He did not want to get off that wall. 
because reverence and awe doesn't always draw you closer, but sometimes makes you go further away for what you have reverence and respect for. You with me? So we ask the question again, what's fear of the Lord? Check out these three verses, Hosea 3.5, but afterward the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord, their God, and to David's descendant, their king. In the last days they will tremble in awe, some verse, uh, translations say the fear of God uh, and His goodness. That's interesting. We tremble before God and His goodness? Kind of seems like they're mutually exclusive things. What about Psalm 145? It says, He grants the desires of those who fear Him and hears, He hears their cries for help and He rescues them. The same people who fear Him, they call for Him for help and He rescues them. He wants them, He protects them, He gets them in. Lord, if you keep our Psalm 130, Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, would ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. See, fear here is in a response to what? God's forgiveness. See, God's forgiveness, God's protection, God's bringing in, God's love, His grace, His mercy brings us to a space of fearing Him. See, this kind of fear doesn't push you away, but it brings you in. Because fearing God and loving God are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they go hand in hand. Cam Potts says, this is not the kind of fear, the fear of the Lord, that pushes us away from God, but draws us to Him. It's not a straight answer. Fear of the Lord means reverence. Fear of the Lord means awe. Fear of the Lord means submission. Fear of the Lord means holiness. Sometimes the fear of the Lord in the Bible, it's mentioned many times, and sometimes it's in regards to God's holiness. Sometimes it's in reference to His greatness. Sometimes it's in reference to His majesty. Sometimes it's in reference to His mercy. Sometimes to His love. Sometimes for his, to His forgiveness. But it always makes us get closer to Him. It doesn't push us away. It draws us to Him. And everyone always tries to go, well, fear of the Lord means this. And we're looking for some pithy statement. We're looking for something we can go, this is what fear of the Lord is. I've done my best, and this is what I've come up with, <laughs> and we'll see how we go. Ready? Fear of the Lord is the worshipful submission to God because of all that He is. The worshipful submission to God because of all that He is. Fear of the Lord is weighty but it's not negative. Usually when something's weighty, we see it as a bad thing. But fear of the Lord is heavy, but it's really good. It has gravity, but also gladness. And we worshipfully, worshipfully submit to God because we love Him and because of who He is. And He is, when my clicker works again, it's not working. Can we go to the next slide, please? <laughs> All heaven will praise your great wonders, Lord. Myriads of angels will praise you for your faithfulness. For who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? Next slide, please. The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than all who surround his throne. 
There we go. The Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? Worshipful submission to this awesome God who is so mighty, who is so awesome, who is bigger than you, bigger than me, beyond you and I, but loves you so passionately and wants to rescue you and forgive you and give you mercy and bring you in. This is not the kind of fear that goes, oh, this thing's, I'm not so sure. It's like, wow, look how big and good he is. And I tremble before your bigness and your goodness, and I need to get closer to you. See, fear of the Lord is not seeing God as dangerous, but seeing God as glorious. Not seeing God as dangerous, but as glorious. So why does it matter? Like Solomon, we all have a calling and a mission and a purpose on our lives. And we all need wisdom for that thing. And Solomon knew it and he said, God, I need your wisdom. And we said in week one that if you haven't felt the need for wisdom yet, you soon will. Everyone needs wisdom. When there's a fork in the road, you have two choices to make and will you lean on God or not and when you have these roads my click is not working again sorry guys <laughs> you got two roads this is great for the uh the podcast my clicker is not working again um you got two roads and the first road let's see if we go is God's wisdom right we see this in the proverbs we see this in the entirety of scripture that is living out God's word in God's world What does that mean for you to live out God's word in God's world? It is that I am completely dependent on him and he is completely beyond me. And because of that, I will, in worship, I will submit to his power, his greatness, his holiness, his truth, his wisdom, his forgiveness. If I want wisdom, I have to remember it comes first from God in three, at least Proverbs, to Solomon, to you and me. That's the first choice. The second one, the second road you could take, and you might go, oh, let's preempt this. It's going to be my wisdom or the world's wisdom. No, it's just foolishness. Because <laughs> the truth is, and this might be unpopular, outside of God's knowledge and God's wisdom, there is no knowledge and wisdom. It is foolishness. There is no truth outside of God. It is foolishness. In verse 7 um, of Proverbs chapter 1, we see that fools despise wisdom and knowledge. If you despise what God is saying, if you read the Proverbs and you go, "Mm, no, I don't agree with that one, that's foolishness. There is not God's wisdom over here and then this other wisdom, and this one might be a little better, but this one's kind of good as well. No, no, it is God's wisdom and that's it. Everything outside of that is foolishness. You're going to find Proverbs that challenge you. You're going to read the Scriptures sometimes and go, oh, that one stings a little bit. Because it doesn't necessarily match up with your worldview and the way that society tells you you should think, behave, and believe. And God's Word will challenge you in that way and you'll be like, ow, what do I believe in this space? It might even be a sermon. Man, last week's sermon. How many of us were challenged by last week's sermon? Man, when Danny preaches and goes, you know, if, if, if you don't like being corrected, you need to go see, go see someone. I'm like, don't correct me on that. I'm, I'm not wrong. <laughs> oh, hang on, I might need to see someone on that. 
You're going to find things in Scripture, and God will speak to you, and He'll reveal things to you through His Spirit that is contradictory, potentially, to what you've always believed. And that's where worshipful submission comes into play. Because if God is the God we've read about already, He is this huge guy who holds the the ocean in his hands and he created everything like we've seen and he says to me Adam the thing you've believed I want you to know that that's not true this is true I have to be in a worshipful submission posture and go God if you say this but I believe this I must assume that I'm wrong if it's contradictory I must assume that I am wrong because that is a fear of the Lord So when you come across things that you don't agree with, when you come across things that challenge you, when you come across things where God, through His Spirit, is reminding you, hey, this thing here that you believe, it's wrong. It's outside of my truth. It's outside of knowledge. It's outside of wisdom. My prayer is that we will fear Him. We will be in awe. We will be reverent of His majesty and His glory but also his forgiveness and his mercy and love and run closer to our glorious God who's worthy of all of our praise. Because that fear posture is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom and it'll allow us to open our hearts to the life within. And we are in worshipful submission to the author of the universe. That's where we should be. So church, before I pray, whatever you're facing in these Proverbs series, if there's anything you read that you disagree with in Scripture, if there's anything the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart and going, hey, this way, not that, not your way, my way, not your way, my way, not your way, my way. My prayer for us is this, is that we will fear the Lord. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are, you are mighty. You are magnificent and majestic and huge beyond words. These words do nothing to describe you. But also, God, you are so loving and forgiving and merciful and deserving of our worshipful submission to you. Lord, for the things that we struggle with, for the the ways that you call us to to move away from our own understanding and from the understanding of society. We just ask that, uh, that through your spirit, you would give us the strength to submit to you. We love you and everything about you. And we come under your, your godship, your headship. In Jesus' name we pray.